So I was on another podcast last night that will be out later this month, and their recording process was entirely different than what we do. And it was really interesting. Not good, bad, or ugly, just very different. And it was really weird. I never thought about the fact that other people record things in a totally different way. There's a couple of like, services and that that, yeah. that that seem to be horrible. I don't know. No, no. They. Uh, I have seen people that use the browser plugins, you know, see so you actually record through the browser. And I guess that works. I don't know. I've never actually tried it. But, like, it was interesting. We talked on the phone and had headphones in to listen to the phone conversation, but then we turned on their mics and recorded the audio locally. And then the editor goes back and puts the pieces together. But there was still, like, syncing that had to happen, so somebody would count, and then we'd clap at the same time, so it was all it was yeah. crazy. Ours is just simpler to me. But. It's, I've done a few podcasts, and people use these these online things. And the reason we record locally is so that we have good audio, regardless of any mm-hmm. interruptions. And a few, I've actually recorded a couple of interviews. I did an interview with a university and the woman lost everything because she trusted this browser thing. And she said, Oh, I'm so sorry. I don't have it. And I said, Oh, well, I have it locally. I recorded it. She's like, you did? I was like, yeah, she's like, I could just to have it. I mean, I didn't even thought I would use it again. I mailed it to her. She was able to edit the whole thing together. Nice. Hmm. One of these days, I would like to hand off the whole podcast uh, operation to somebody else to edit and post, put a, do a new website, um, something that's a little bit more friendly. And hint, uh, hint. what's that? Yeah, hint, 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 yeah. Hint, yeah hint. I'm looking for somebody, but I want somebody who who has moved podcasts before and has some editing experience because if you have ever looked at your phone and all of a sudden 300 episodes of a podcast are re-downloading to your phone because it got moved and yeah. I, I want to avoid all of that you know yeah oh for sure by the way guys since i have you while yeah. we're talking uh my buddy mo said last two times his his uh, podcasts were interrupted and then unavailable so i don't know if that's a local thing to his phone but he wanted to let us know i don't know if anybody else is having that problem that's episode him. unavailable. This episode is temporarily unavailable. But that's happened to me also before with the iTunes app. Well, there's your problem. iTunes. Is that it? <laughs> oh, here we go. It's the, I mean, the Apple. Here we go. Yeah, I mean. I, here we no, go, Bob. I, I've had. I, have, <laughs> I personally have never had. I mean, I've had that warning come up, but like once in the whole time I've used it. I the stopped app. using the Apple podcast app. Um because I had some like weird inconsistency stuff and I started using something else. And I've never had that problem. What do you so, use? I use something called uh, Overcast. Uh, Overcast. Oh, Overcast. Yeah. yeah, it's it's nice. It's got some cool little features to it. I mean, it's a basic podcast player, but you know, you can have it uh, play at different speeds to come back. You can have it cut out silence breaks and stuff like that to kind of make it easier and faster. But you know, it's it's good. I listen to a couple of podcasts, and I'm not going to say who because he I, he doesn't listen to this. But still, I don't want to call him out. I was going to make up an anonymous email and send it to him and tell him what he does. He ums and ahs and says, you know, and he's a really established person so much. Now everyone's going to be super conscious of this, but, um, um, uh, um, um, before everything, I thought about actually taking one of his podcasts and editing out all the actual tangible words and just leaving all the sounds he makes in between all the words. <laughs> I love this person. I love listening to him and I get so much information, but sometimes I just have to turn it off because I hear so many, uh, well, uh, it's like hmm. very, very distracting. So all you yeah. podcast guys out there, 
Try and guess who it is. <laughs> yeah, I think editing <laughs> editing helps with that a lot. You know, like yeah. uh, we sometimes if if things are not edited, a lot of that stuff is left in. Whereas some really basic editing can just start your sentences the right way. It makes things flow better. Totally. You know? it, it's just such an interrupt. I was listening in the car drive home from Chicago and it was driving me crazy, but I still wanted to hear what he had to say because it was an important topic. I'll power through it. I'm sorry. I brought this up. <laughs> Suck it up. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we were all in Chicago. You, David, you got home like an hour ago, right? Yeah, I was say? in Chicago longer than expected. I had my yeah. flight canceled, and then I got on another flight, and then that one was canceled. Is it due to, to the fog? The Is that why? Due to the fog, yeah. Yeah, I was driving in the fog. I was waiting to hit a pile up. It was really, really dense. Huh. It's crazy. It did allow me to uh, go check out the Chicago Field Museum, which was amazing. It was yeah, uh, a gorgeous place. Unfortunately, um, it's, so it's kind of pricey. Uh, it was like $37, which was fine. But I'm like, oh, I only have an hour. So I like rushed through everything. This is when I there was only a delay. So I'm like, okay, I'll just check this out and then head to the airport. And then I rushed through everything. I'm like, man, I wish I had a few more hours to spend here. And then I get to the airport and then my flight is canceled. I'm like, no. Oh, man. But one of the things is, so there's um, a lot of dioramas there, some taxidermy. And I appreciate it so much more because this thing that we were in Chicago for, there was a guy that gave a little session on the history of taxidermy. Oh, you sat in that, right? That was great. And then later on, I sat with him while he actually did yeah, the class. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, that guy had that guy was so passionate and had so much energy about taxidermy. Like, I was into it. I'm like, I'm switching careers. <laughs> yeah, I, I, he's in Brooklyn. I'm <laughs> wait, gonna, wait, wait, wait. No, I'm no, going to hook no, up no, with no, him. No, no, no. <laughs> he's in Brooklyn. I'm going to call him and go visit him and do, do a little segment on it. Oh, nice. That's awesome. And plus, he taught me how to taxidermy a mouse, so that's that was my Instagram post. Yeah, we had a, a really interesting weekend, and <laughs> we got to see Jimmy walking around with a dead mouse, and <laughs> that was gross. I saw your Instagram story. I didn't even, I thought you were just taking a picture. I didn't realize I was going to be on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> so we were all three in uh, Chicago for this unconference. It's a conference that's an invitation only, so it's not something that everybody gets to go to. And uh, it's called an unconference. It's really kind of unusual, and all sorts of interesting stuff happens, and you get experiences that you probably wouldn't get other places. And one of them was doing taxidermy on a mouse. Yeah, it was about six so. of us, and we powered through it. And I, I would attach uh, Brant's uh, Instagram, but he asked us all, he said, please, if you post any of this, do not attach my Instagram, because I don't want people to think that this is the, the net result of my class. No no disrespect to all of us, but he said, the lesson he taught me and the other students in that particular session usually is an eight to nine hour course. We did it in like oh. an hour and a half, so we rushed through it. So he didn't want anybody to see the net result of like what we did, kind of these, whatever. So he, he just asked respectfully huh. that we don't attach him to the Instagram, but ultimately... When I go show his portfolio, you'll see who he is. Anyway, but uh, it was a great experience. I never thought I'd be able to get through what we did. We actually had to open up the mouse, take his coat off, basically, and uh, put his coat around something else. To... That's gnarly. <laughs> <laughs> we use clay and wire and stuff, just like you would have. And I guess a mouse is small enough where it's not going to get you know, stinky. But we also did use borax soap to tan the little tiny hide, the little coat. Wow. Yeah, so that's why there, you guys didn't notice in the room, but there was borax in these dishes, and once you opened it up, you kept 
rubbing the skin with borax, borax, boraxo. I don't know how to say it exactly. And just, and that starts the, the tanning process. And because it's small oh. enough, it'll dry like, like a, like an insect or, or bird. You just yeah. pin it in position. Yeah. That's crazy. I didn't know borax was the thing. I mean, that makes sense because they tell you to use borax for bugs. Oh, Because really? it, yeah, like if you have fleas or uh, roaches or stuff like that, if you sprinkle borax over a doorway where they walk through, it's basically really, really tiny, sharp pieces of this material. And so when the bugs walk over it, it slices their outer layer and they end up uh, drying out because it opens them up and their their whole bodies dry out. That's so it kills bugs. so wild. <laughs> yeah, but it's so small that it doesn't hurt us. So I guess that's why it works for taxidermy as yeah. well because it's drying out the surface. Huh. My, 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 I my, my, my. I got the feeling that this only works for like small stuff. Obviously, if we were going to hmm. you know, do a deer or something, I'm sure there's a much more industrialized process. You got hair dryer? No, no, I, I mean, no, I mean, <laughs> you know, for like a chemical tanning process. Yeah, <laughs> to tan the uh, skin of a deer, for instance. Yeah. But it was, it was a great experience. I mean, that, that was just one thing. And, you know, we all did different things. And it was great. It was a great experience. And, and by the way, it goes for like 70 hours straight. I don't know. How many hours does it go? 48 or 70 hours straight. So that's why there's no breaks. There's no time to go and do a yeah. hangout. So that's why we didn't do any of that stuff. It's just a solid event. It starts and then it ends like a day and a half later or something. To be clear, it's not like a making event. Not like it's right. not. It's you're not learning how to do things. It's it's like a show and tell. And some things could be businessy. Some things could be just life stories, or encouraging, or people asking questions. And it's it's all over the place. Yeah, it's not just yeah. one thing. But it was a but lot it of fun. Is a really interesting thing. Yeah, and the three of us got to hang out. And we got to hang out with uh, let's see, Ben Ueda was there. Evan and Caitlin. Evan and Caitlin. Yep. Uh, Dustin Penner. Yep. Uh, the domino girl she was great she ended up kind of hanging out with us oh lily yeah Yeah. yep she was cool yeah so anyway if you saw that we were in chicago and were mad that we didn't like do a hangout that's why yeah sorry yeah but well other than that what have you guys been up to anything previous to that i just drove home from chicago took me well that's after (laughs) (laughs) i drove to chicago that was before uh what did i do i i uh i have a couple. I've been kind of hitting it hard with the videos. I've been getting things ready. I go through these phases where I work on like seven or eight videos, and slowly each one of them matures for publication. Slowly, and in the last two weeks, I put up a f- quite a few videos. I don't even know to be honest how many. Maybe three, maybe five. I forgot. And uh, I have a few more in the shoot. So by the time this podcast airs, I will have a couple more ready to go. And so it's exciting. It's exciting to get ahead a little bit. I'm. Finally nice. releasing the benchtop accessories video that's coming out on Thursday, so yesterday for you listeners, some of you listeners, and then uh, I'm gonna uh, start just trying to experiment a little bit more and do some more fun, crazy things. I have a 3D printer coming that's arriving today, and so sweet. That's another weapon in the arsenal, so that'll be fun. Yeah. So, what are your immediate plans with that? Anything? Immediate plans is I'm uh so we talked over the weekend. I have this MIDI uh piano keyboard that it's made of plastic and I wanna gut it and I wanna remake the frame out of wood and I wanna use the laser cutter to kinda um remake the panel so the the buttons and the, the display can shine through and 
I thought about printing some non-slip feet for the bottom of it. And then Bob was like, you can also 3D print some knobs. So I might attempt that as well. So I think the knobs might be my first uh, introduction into 3D printing something that I've designed. Sweet. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, that'll be fun. It'll be fun to see. I, like, I've been kind of doing the 3D printing stuff long enough that it doesn't... It's not quite magical anymore. It's still really cool, you know? But, like, a lot of times when people get the printer for the first time... You start printing stuff out, and you're just like, whoa, uh, oh, oh, I got it now. Now I see what this thing's capable of, and it's, it's kind of magical to watch. So hmm. that'll be cool. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, what did I do last week? I hmm, made a bookcase. Yeah? I talked about that last week, I think. Super basic. It's just an adjustable shelf bookcase, you know, where you can move the shelves up and down. Um, but it actually turned my office into just like an entirely different looking space just because there's not there's not a bookcase that I had from college sitting there covered in stuff <laughs> that doesn't actually fit on it so you know it immediately looked better and I did all my audio equipment rack mount in it so it's it's mounted inside one of the shelves and um yeah it's cool got all my toys on it my books nice. you know so it actually looks like somebody uses this office for work instead of a storage room. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> well, it's looking good on camera. No, thanks. Yeah, I'm happy with it. Yeah. So I think we have an interesting topic this week. And I'm going to have you start it off, Bob. Okay. Well, <clears throat> so a lot of conversations this weekend at this event, because a lot of it is just people sitting around getting into conversations. And I found myself in several different contexts saying, yeah, I tend to overthink things, but and I would go on. And I said that a few times in like a two hour or three hour period. And I was like, I was sitting down by myself, kind of like taking a break and going, I, I just said that I, I overthink things a lot. Hmm. hmm. Like, I wonder, I mean, that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? I know that that's part of my process is I like to I like to try to think through something all the way before I get started a lot of the time, not all the time. But anyway, it just got me thinking about like, <clears throat> I think we all three have a different approach to like how we plan stuff and how we like, whether we plan or whether we work by the seat of our pants or um, just how we approach doing projects and looking to the future. And I think all of those things have their place depending on what you do and who you are. And so I was kind of just wanting to talk with you guys about how that stuff applies to you. And like, if there's maybe something that's natural, that's maybe not super helpful. And what I mean by that is like, I naturally overthink things and want to try to problem solve before I actually do any work, which is good. It saves a lot of time. Sometimes, hmm. sometimes it stops me from actually getting anything done, you know? So that's my natural thing, but that's not necessarily the best. So yeah. Thoughts? I well, I, I tend to not overthink anything because, and there's a couple of reasons for it because I have attention deficit disorder, I assume. I mean, I have like seven things that when I was in school, they didn't have names for, but I think when it's time to research something or open up a pamphlet or start to look at instructions, I immediately just go, this this isn't for me. And I just go right to the unit or whatever it is and I just start looking at it. And all I usually need, like if it's assembly, I just need a picture of the thing. And then I, and part of the challenge, part of the fun for me is figuring it out on the ride. And same thing when I have to make something. I just recently made this bender, which is only an Instagram at the moment. It's a bender for 
for my next Lincoln video where I, it's like a desktop lever and it has this mechanical advantage and it bends metal. And I made it in wood and hot glue at first. And I was in the middle of making it with wood and hot glue and I actually lost my interest in it. I was like, I go, because I was like, huh. oh, if I, well, well, if I was making this in metal, this would be a better connection. Then I just said, why don't I just freestyle it in metal? And I was in the middle of making it out of hot glued up MDF just to understand the mechanics of it. And I didn't really get a much better understanding than what I already assumed I was going to do. And so then I was halfway through it and I just said, all right, let me just start making it in metal. It did take a couple of days because I had some interruptions. So it wasn't until about a week later that I actually made it in metal. But just th those few minutes of spending with the MDF and the hot glue did give me some insight. But I really thought I was going to solve all the problems right there and then. And when, it, when those problems weren't coming to me, I just kept saying, oh, this would be easier if I was using real metal. And this would be easier if I was using real metal. And then like I, was, I tried the mechanical advantage and it broke the hot glue. And I just said, this will be easier yeah. if I just make it in metal. So I just waited. And that little session created a lot of incubation so that when I actually got to making it in metal, a lot of my problems were solved. I mean, so it was, it was good that I did it, but in the middle of it, I kind of lost interest. I just got, I got slightly frustrated with the material and said, this will just be better off just working it out in the real material. And when I got to it, I trusted my instincts. But I mean, once you have enough experience with any particular thing, you stop overthinking it. And, you know, I try to apply that to everything I do with my hands, so to speak. So I try. There are times when I overthink it, and that's only because I just don't have an easy answer. And then hmm. I let it incubate, and those answers usually come to me later. But I do my best problem solving in real time while I'm working on anything. I'm probably hmm. middle of the road when it comes to overthinking and freestyling. If there's a, um, if somebody's counting on me, if there's a, if there's a deadline, I like to be well planned and well prepared. And if I'm just trying to figure things out and freestyling is, is the way to, way to go. I find myself these days, most things are um, deadline based, but whether it's my own deadline or somebody else's. So everything is, is kind of planned and I do a little bit less freestyle, but um, yeah, I'm not, uh, if, if I overthink something, I'm definitely, I'll, I'll just give up on it for sure. Hmm. Is that's pretty consistent? Like if you if you just spin on something too long, you give up and move on. I get bored. Yeah, me personally, I get bored and I just say, "Ah, forget it." Yeah, I think. Huh. Yeah, I, whether it's woodworking or hobbies or or anything, doing the dishes. If I overthink doing the dishes, I'm like, "Ah, forget it." Huh? Interesting. <laughs> See, I found for me that like the overthinking is often kind of like a momentum building thing, where like if I maybe overthinking is the wrong term. But if I have a project and I can spend the time to like really start to finish it in my brain and maybe I'm building confidence and like, yeah, okay, now I know what I'm actually going to do. Then I, that builds some momentum and I actually want to go do it. Whereas if there are problems that are unsolved, you know, halfway through this project, I tend to not even want to start it because I haven't thought through all that stuff yet. Huh. I always jump That's in. Crazy. I always jump into any project with this sort of caveat, saying to myself, "If, if this this is either going to be the finished process or this is going to be the learning process. So if it doesn't come out what, the way I really expect it to, or if I don't have good results, or if I don't surprise myself and come up with something I didn't expect, this will be the learning process, and then I'll go through it. And there'll be some times where I film stuff, and I, I get to a point, and I, the whole project just goes in the dumper, and I was like, "All right, well." I got to stop this one again, and I just throw all the footage away. I've done that a, only a few times, not a lot, but uh, 
I have started and stopped projects or I've started projects. I saw them all the way through to the end and I go, okay. Then I just immediately started over again, whatever it is. And that first one was me thinking it through. But And that doesn't like ha- – having to throw that away doesn't like – diminish your interest in it or no no because sometimes like you know if it's a knife making project i've done it with knife making projects occasionally because i mean it's such a it's making knives to me is definitely something i'm learning and uh no 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 sometimes it's a client job and you know it's obviously not something that's going to be super complicated or you know sometimes i'll see it through in like a cheaper material like i said i did instead of jumping into with metal i made it with mdf at first but yeah, there's always that possibility that you know, the project I'm working on is going to be a dud, and then that just becomes my thinking through learning process on that same subject, and then I'll make it again. Right? Huh? It's funny. I've rarely made anything twice. Hmm. Like I, I tend to not get into well, not even twice, but like I, if I get fifty percent through something and it's failing or it's not going the way I want. I rarely start over entirely. I just figure out how to change the direction or mm-hmm. change the, the final goal or something. I think I would probably have, I think if I did have to throw it away, that would be kind of a kick in the gut and be like, well, now I don't want to do it. You know, yeah. probably. I'm not really sure. I'm working on this leg duplicator on my lathe right now. You'll see it in, in the vlog when I publish this week. And it's not working out quite as fast as I expected it to do, like to duplicate. It's not duplicating as quick as I want. I mean, I could actually just freestyle a whole leg quicker than this thing is actually giving me a duplication. And so it's just a matter of tuning it and getting the right materials. And I made this slide thing, which doesn't work the way I expected. So I might just cut that cold piece of steel out and just replace it with something that works better. But I, I, I was thinking about it driving, and I couldn't wait to get to the shop to start putting these pieces together just so I can answer some questions that I was having. I'm like, oh, well, what if this intersects that? How is that going to work? And I could sit there and think about it forever and do research and look at other people's thing. Or I could just go and just put it together and know once I'm going into it, I could change this at any point in time. I do think um, those of us who work by themselves usually uh, have a lot more time to think about things because you're not interacting with other people. And that can cause you to overthink and recently uh, i've said here on the podcast that you know i'm not going to apologize for the tools that i use i'm not going to justify i'm just going to do what i want to do and that's just going to be me and and i've been thinking about that and i'm thinking okay like what is this going to lead to like how how can i just make what i want to make in the in the future and, and what type of projects and i had some great conversations with a couple of people over the weekend and it was just like, Oh yeah, it's just stop thinking about it and just do it. So, you know, mm-hmm. don't, I'm not going to announce to the audience, like I'm going to try a couple of experiments. I'm just going to, I'm just going to do it. And I think just the conversations that I've had with these people over the weekend, just kind of put me past the, the thinking part and I'm going to just mm-hmm. start executing. That's, that'll be interesting. I'll, I'll be interested to see how that plays out. I think one of the reasons I add the caveat to like when I'm making a video and I'm going to use a, you know, going to use the laser and I'll like intentionally put in a little bit about like, I'm going to use this tool that you may not have. And if you don't, here's another way to do it. I think I do that to like curb the response so I don't have to deal with it later. You know, like I don't have to deal with the comments. I can just kind of deal with it ahead of time for sure so that it's, it's addressed. So it'll be interesting to see if if that's easier for you to deal with after the fact or ignore after the fact <laughs> right? or deal with ahead of time. And, you know, I mean, you and I would probably deal with it differently. 
Yeah. Anyway, so huh? Sometimes it's kind of interesting to hear. I don't know what my audience expectations are, even though we try to uh, we, we try to define that. I'm I'm not always good at actually predicting what what they expect, or yeah. or the vocal few kind of skews that uh, that a little bit. So it's just gonna do what I want to do, I yeah. guess. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Well, I'm going to try to, you know, not think so hard about thinking so hard (laughs) (laughs) so much in the future. Like, I I know that I'll get in this weird cycle where, you know, I like that. Using certain tools is a really good example of that. Like, I think ahead of time, I'm spending my time thinking about what I need to think about, about how to present those tools in a way rather than just like the project. Like, I, you know, my, my mental energy is on the presentation and like dealing with potential uh, comments and stuff about it instead of focusing on the design or focusing on the, the original thing. So I'm going to try to get out of my own head about that a little bit. When you, uh, you said you mentioned uh, you overthink things quite a bit over the weekend. Was there, are there certain things that you overthink more than others? Are you overthinking the business part or the planning or the building or the filming? Um, I don't I don't know. I don't I don't think anything specific stands out. I mean, when it comes down to it, I think we all think about things the same amount probably. Like but if you took Jimmy and I and gave us the same project, we would probably spend the same amount of time thinking about it, but he does his like he does action thought, action thought, action thought, and mine is like thought 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 thought, action 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 action. So, you know, it's and maybe I don't Someone turn that into it, a song. but like my the way i stack those things together it feels like i do all the thinking up front which seems like i'm overdoing it or Mm. whatever but i don't know this is the way i am and i'm not apologizing for that and i don't want to change it but it's cool to be aware of stuff like that i think a lot of times uh, a lot of times overthinking correct me if i'm wrong means that you don't have the perfect answer yet so you're, yeah. you're, you're spending a lot of time looking and searching for that perfect solution to whatever it is, even if it's just a curve or if it's just how are you going to draw the curve or how are you going to cut it or what's the actual final finished piece going to look like. So overthinking it is searching for those solutions. And one thing that helps me, and I've talked about it, but in this frame, it's a, it's a different answer. I always look and say, okay, I don't know what this part of this project is going to be, but I understand and fully am confident about this part of the project. So let me work on this while this other part incubates. And if that's collecting the materials, knowing, okay, regardless of what it looks like, it's going to be made out of a sheet of plywood. Let me hop in the truck and go get this certain type of plywood I want to use. So when I'm getting the plywood, I'm thinking about all this other stuff. And and then I'm like, okay, I know I'm only going to use half the sheet of plywood. So let me just cut this piece away. And while I'm cutting it, I'm still, my mind's still working on that finished mm. part. And so slowly those answers start to reveal themselves to me as I, and mm. I, I said this example once before, but I'll say it again. My buddy asked me to move his first time I ever heard of Tormach. He got one and he's the reason why I have mine. But he said, we got to move it into my basement brownstone in Manhattan. And I got there to help him. And he was actually ill those few days. And me and Welder went to help him. And it was on the sidewalk in front, a 600 pound steel machine. 
And he's like, how are we going to get it down the stairs? I said, well, I'm not really sure, but I know it needs to be in your foyer. So we got it to the foyer. And he's like, how are we going to get it down in the basement? I'm like, I don't know, but we have to at least get it over here. And so we got it over there. And he goes, well, how are we going to get it down the stairs? I go, I don't know. Well, it at least has to be on the landing. So then we got it to the landing. It was right there on the landing. And all five of us are sitting around looking at it and go, how, well, now how's it going to go down the stairs? I'm like, I don't know. Let's just take it down the first step and then we'll see what answers we get from that. And then within 20 minutes, it was in the basement. Are you saying one step at a time? Literally. (laughs) That's a a really good example. Uh, A lot of times it's, um, you know, overthinking means there's something that hasn't been solved yet. And sometimes when you stop thinking about that, how many times you've been laying in bed trying to fall asleep, thinking about something else, and all of a sudden the answer hits you. It's like when you when you stop concentrating on it, the the solution presents itself. Yeah, yeah, and it's funny because kind of to switch gears, uh, I do naturally overthink or or spend my time pre thinking rather than thinking on the fly. But occasionally, I'll do a project that is all of a sudden I'll come up with something and like, okay, I've got today's kind of free. I can do that project now instead of put it on the list and do it eventually. Um, and when I do that, the few times that I've done that, those are some of my favorite projects. It's funny because, you know, the, the natural thing is to like plan and stack up an order and like, okay, this looks really cool and I'm going to do it in two weeks when it's on the schedule. But the ones that I, some of the ones I've enjoyed the most are just really impromptu. Like the whole, the Nintendo Switch controller thing that I did last week, which I thought turned out great. I was super happy with the video, super happy with the final product of it. And that was, you know, walking down the stairs to go to work in the morning. I thought, oh, wait a minute. Hmm. Like I can stick those things to anything. And I immediately sat down and started modeling it. And by mid-afternoon, I had a working prototype of it. And then that just became a video that I was in the middle of doing and I didn't even plan it. So like, I want to get into that habit and I, and I am pretty free about when inspiration like that strikes, like I'm not going to always push it off. You know, if I'm excited about something, I'm going to do it, whether I thought of it or I planned it. Um, but I want to make sure that I keep that, like, you know, that spirit of I'm excited about this right now. So I need to do that thing right now and not just simmer on it because I've already scheduled you know, a table or something less exciting. Um, so I think it's really just a thing to keep, you know, in my own head to to make sure that I'm willing to be agile, willing to not always think so hard about stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's, you know, there's a time for both things, I guess. It's why, again, I, I'm going to re- be repetitive in a certain way. It's great to play with materials that are less expensive than your final outcome because you could immediately jump right in and start snipping scissors or snipping leather or whatever it is, plastic, cardboard. We keep a lot of packages that come in big boxes. If the box is a big broadside, say like two by three feet, we always cut those panels out and save them. And there's plenty of times where we use them for just freestyling and trying to think of an idea or map out something or laser cut it into some other shape and then then go, okay, now we can laser cut the acrylic. So something to consider yeah that's a good idea um as far as like thinking through and maybe we've already talked about this recently but do you guys think through the types of materials that you're or maybe even the types of projects that you're going to do over the next you know couple of weeks do you try to vary them at all do you worry about like well i did something kind of similar to this last week or is that not even a consideration for the most part no 
because like you mentioned before, I like working on the thing that I'm really excited about. And generally, the next thing that I'm excited about is going to be different than the, the previous one. But sometimes you're going to get a new material or a tool or whatever. And you're going to like, how can I use this? Because I'm excited about this thing. I, I don't worry about that that too much. There was a time about a year and a half ago, two years ago, where I put out three or four pen making videos in a row. And I was just like, I'm excited about pens. I'm going, here's a basic one. Here's one cut down from a tree in my backyard. And here's a, a different type. Yeah, of I don't, I don't mind it. I, I mean, I, it's, and it's nice if you do do, if you do create several videos on the same similar subject, you start getting a nice collection. You can make a viewer list of things just like that. Like for instance, signs or CNC or stuff that just has to do with laser, stuff that just has to do with leather. You start getting a nice portfolio of different stuff. And even if it's in spurts, I don't mind it at all. I mean, I just put out nearly two, basically two printing videos in a row. And, you know, yeah. the haters are going to hate, but that's okay. You know, the people that are enjoying the variety will, will stick around. Yeah. I mean, there have been some times where I get excited about something and or maybe like one project spawns another one. You know, you finish one and you're like, oh, wait, that gives me an idea for the next thing. And that that kind of makes sense. I think there's part of me that just wants to keep people guessing so they never know what they're going to get. <laughs> and that means that I can't necessarily do really similar things two weeks in a row. But don't overthink. And when I'm, yeah, (laughs) yeah, I definitely do for sure. I mean, but I like to plan things out, you know, a month or so ahead of time on a schedule so that I can make sure I have what I need to do it when it comes time to do it. I have the design done. I have the materials so I don't have to like scramble to get it done. And part of doing that is like when you look at the next four weeks or something of these are the four projects, sometimes I'll just shift them around to keep it from like, so it's not like three woodworking in a row and then something else, you know, it'll be like a woodworking and then metal and then two woodworking or something mm. to that effect. Um, I don't know. I was just curious if you guys consider that at all, but it sounds like you don't. Uh, well, sometimes so I'm the weird one. No, Fun. once in a while I do. Like I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't put out two acts sort of videos in a row, but I do, I feel yeah. like kind of, I feel the itch to do another acts video. So I will do one soon. I have a couple of ideas, but yeah, it's 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 a consideration, but I mean, when you think about it, it doesn't really make sense except for like the release day, because once you put a video out, it goes into the catalog with everything else you've ever done, and you know nobody's going to go back and like, you remember two years ago when you did two pen videos and two weeks in a row, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, like it just becomes part of the catalog, right? And so that only matters to the people that are watching right when you come out, and those are the people that actually probably don't care if you do two similar things in a row. Those are the people that actually want to just see what you do. So, yeah. anyway. But, I mean, for me, the excitement is just jumping right in. So, if if we're going to summarize and say, do you overthink? I try not to. And occasionally, if I do find myself overthinking and I don't really have the solutions, which is really what overthinking is, is looking for the solutions, I just start working. Either in in the finished material or some other practice material. It's funny when I when I was teaching, a student would come in with like a book binding or a handmade sign or something, and go, "What do you think?" I go, "Oh, it's great." I go, "Now make it again." And they're like, "What? Oh, I'm not going to make this again." I'm like, "Is this going to be the only one you ever make in your life? Turn around tomorrow if you got time, make it again right now." Well, hmm. the 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 moves the the process is fresh in your mind. Go right to it and start working on it. Hmm. I'm, like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> well, if this is a just a stepping me- stone for a grade, then okay. But if you really yeah. want to actually develop a skill, just start doing it straight away again. Yeah. Part of what made me think about this was, um, so I'm going to make this transformer that I had when I was a kid. 
the gun, which is like a, I don't know, two and a half inch piece of plastic gun, I'm going to make it like what would theoretically be full size. So like four or five feet long <laughs> for no reason other than I just want to do it. I don't know why, but it's been on my list for a while, but it's one of those things that I know generally how it's going to be made, but I've never actually sat down and figured out how to build up this volumetric shape that has no straight or has straight lines, but it has no like sharp edges. It has no, you know, and so it's been kind of like boiling, like I'm putting it on the schedule, but I don't really know how to do it. And then this morning, uh, when we went to record, Josh was like, all right, I'm going to get out of here. So I don't, you know, be loud. What do I need to get for the gun? And I'm like, Oh, didn't really think this through. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. Uh, four inch PVC, two inch PVC, and some craft foam, and we'll just go from there. So that's what we're gonna do today when we finish recording. I'm just gonna go in there and, and just do it. And I have to scale up, you know, a two and a half inch thing to four feet or more, which I still don't even know how big it's gonna be. Uh, so I'm just gonna figure it out. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. That sounds fun. Yeah. I don't know what I'm gonna do with it when I'm done. I have this giant gun. what is it going to shoot is it going to shoot something no it's actually going to shoot anything i am probably going to put some electronics in it though maybe like a soundboard it's going to shoot leds and stuff that's right jimmy doesn't know what that is i don't know what those are (laughs) (laughs) is that something to do with a toilet a septic yeah, that, that's what it is. You got it. Yep. Let's let's move on. So <laughs> the instant you said septicon, I thought of toilet. Like flash of mind. Let's do word association. Should play that one day. Mm, that'd oh. be a fun one. Septicon. Porcelain toilet. Might. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah. Well, what else is going on? Anybody got any other thoughts? Anything? Did you come away from this weekend? Which I know not everybody went to, so they can't. You know, but. Did it spur anything in you that like your, Absolutely. your brain is churning on? I am so recharged. Um, it had nothing to do with the event except other than people being in the same room and then talking to a few people. And uh, they listen to this podcast and you know who you are. And uh, I just want to thank them because I am like, I'm so excited to work on these couple of out there projects. They might take longer than a week to make. I now know that that's okay. I mm. it doesn't. I don't have to put out a video every week. I I should put out um, something that's uh, I want to do. It might be a little bit more fun and out of the ordinary. And that's and it's going to be okay if I miss a couple weeks to do so. One thing I, I one thing I enjoy about being in a big group like that is is practicing talking to people because that's the one thing I have always fear. I. I if it's overthinking really? anything, it's getting into a group of people and talking because I'm always like, well, how am I going to start talking? But of course, the environment at this particular or it's called Ord Camp, but the environment at Ord Camp is extremely welcoming. There's no judgment. There's no. So you can just walk right up to somebody and we it's common practice. And that also helps my confidence level to be able to just talk to anybody anywhere. My confidence level has gotten much better as an adult and also since. I've done YouTube because you got to look at a camera and talk to the camera. And then when you're with people, you're like, oh, there's no camera. This is even easier. But in general, just the idea of practicing and sharing ideas with people and listening to their ideas. And, you know, even if we just brainstorm a little bit about something that's at hand during the, during the conference, it's, it's nice. And I re- reluctantly did a talk on printing presses. And I thought, eh, I don't want to do that. But I really did it because I wanted to meet other people that knew more about it than me. 
it's, it turned out I was the only one in the room that knew anything about it, so it didn't work out as planned. But <laughs> I did I did have a little bit of a, a a successful conversation about it. I think went well, and some people were really interested. And I had a little bit more conversation outside that room later on with other people that were there, and so it was successful in that way. But that was important for me to get outside my comfort zone to be able to practice talking because we have WorkbenchCon coming up, and I got to talk in front of an audience there. And so the older I get, the more I practice this, the better I get at it. So OrdCamp was a good opportunity to just practice talking to complete strangers about anything. And they, they called me on stage. I totally did not know I was going to be called on stage. Did you guys see me get pulled up on stage for one second? Yeah. Yeah, that was you- pretty embarrassing. <laughs> really? <laughs> I just I, I just wasn't prepared to like be in public. I had no idea they would call my name, but it was funny. So I made it funny. They Okay, for the context, let me give everybody context. <laughs> yeah. They had this thing. <laughs> Like there's a giant Lego table and these buckets and buckets and buckets of white Lego, white, all white. And Jimmy's they color. were the, yeah, Jimmy's color. And so they were like, make a thing for the world's fair. And it was basically just make anything you want, stick it on this table and we're going to judge the things. And there was a piece of paper sitting on the table <laughs> that said <laughs> very clearly that everybody else saw that said, do not write on the Legos. What did I do? And so the fr- and I look at the thing, and I look up, and I see a building, really nice little Lego building, that says Deresta in black Sharpie on all four sides. <laughs> on all four sides. All four sides. Okay, so if you walked up to the city, or if you did a drone shot, you would see it, at least from every direction you approached. Deresta Tower. <laughs> and so I went over, and the Lego guy was there. I forget his name. He was very nice. He knew my videos and stuff, and... We got right into a conversation about my stuff, and he said that his kids watch me, and it was really nice. And, and we were talking for a few minutes, and all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, you're the Lego guy, because I saw he had the Lego jacket on. And he goes, you weren't supposed to write on the thing. I said, I'm, a, I'm so sorry. I said, I can clean it off. He goes, no, no, it doesn't matter. He goes, it's no biggie. He goes, but we, we, we reminded everybody after you did it just so nobody else did it. <laughs> and we had a little pleasant conversation, and then later on, I, and they were going through the winners. And they had, it was a really very, very well-reasoned why they picked who they picked. They had a really yeah. good, like the the two judges, him and the woman that did the judging had some very good thoughts on the pieces they picked and they picked second, third, and then they were about to announce first. But before they announced first, they announced the Trumpy award, which is kind of like mocking because I wrote on my building. So they said, Oh, Jimmy wins the Trump award. So everybody kind of laughed. I was like, they booed because somebody brought up Trump's name, but uh, I won the Trumpy award. So when I went up, I happened to have my stencils in my pocket, so I gave my stencil to the judges, and everybody kind of giggled. So here you could write, go here you could write my name on everything you own, and so I got a pin for the Trumpy Award. But that was very unexpected because nice. I wasn't really in the category of so-called winners. There were some really nice yeah. designs that actually won first place to third place. So it's really interesting to me, and we've kind of talked about this before, uh, but I f- had forgotten that you don't have a huge comfort level talking to people because every time I see you, I mean, when we interact as friends, of course it's different, but when I see you interact with people you don't know at Maker Fair or at any of these mm-hmm. events, like you're super warm and super like immediately engaging and it looks oh. totally natural. Oh, thank you. I just want to hide under the table and text them. That's what I wish I could do. <laughs> That's so crazy. Because <laughs> you just don't, you don't see that from, you know, even somebody like who knows you, you know, I get yeah. it. That's, well, I, I, honestly, I, I work on it in every opportunity. There was a moment in time, and I don't know if I ever mentioned this. There was a moment in time where I became single. I was overweight. I was in my 20s, and I was with a girl for a long time. 
And suddenly I was found myself single. You know, she we, we were kind of it was like after college, and she went to college and suddenly got a new boyfriend. Then I was yesterday's news, and so I was brokenhearted, overweight, and shy. And I was all those things at once. And I was like, oh, okay, I got to lose weight. I got to get out of my bubble and I got to go learn how to talk to people because now I have to go make a new relationship somewhere in my life. And people started suggesting I go on blind dates. And that was, to me, that was terror to go on a blind date. Like, what am I going to talk to a stranger about? And I embraced it after thinking it through, after overthinking it. I said, (laughs) joke, we just got a visitor to the house. Um, but the bottom line is I went on like 20 blind dates to practice speaking to people. And I'm going to mute my microphone and you guys can comment. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is an interesting practice. I mean, like, huh. For, it's just funny because I wouldn't really think of you, you know, that being an issue. But because it looks to me from my position that you've like, you've done a good job of getting past that because you look so natural when you talk to people. Anyway. Oh, thank you. I mean, I guess I'm still anchored in my my formative years of being so shy. So it's still always ever present because that's how I became a young man yeah. is being just super shy and hiding. It's a big reason why I drank when I was a teenager to grease the social wheels. Mm. Hmm. I was paralyzed. I'd go out socially and I was paralyzed. I couldn't talk to anybody. So have a few beers and then I'd be completely blacked out and I talked to everybody, but I wasn't there to remember <laughs> it. But yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's a joke. It's, you guys got all heavy on me for a second. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm thankful. <laughs> Thankfully, I ended up getting out of that and then just confronting. And that's partly why I was like newly sober and I was newly single. And I said, I got to get past this if I'm ever going to be successful as just a human being. Hmm. Not necessarily financially, but just a successful human being. I just have to get past this. And going on blind dates was a lot of fun because I would go into it being like, I don't have to fall in love with this person. I don't even have to like make a move on them. This is just social practice. And mm. out of all that, I ended up making actually good friends with one or two people, you know, lasting friendships. I, I never ended up having a romance out of that time in my life, but it definitely was worth all the practice I gave it. Mm. So. Something new about Mr. Duresta. Yeah. yeah. Then I'm a shy nerd. Well, I think you're a successful human being. Well, thank you. Yeah. Oh, give me a hug. I agree. Give me a hug. Come on, get over here. Give me a hug. Aw, <laughs> hugs. <laughs> cool. Well, anything else or from the weekend? I taxidermied a mouse. Did I say that already? But yeah, no, yeah, still, still as gross as it was then. Yeah. So I went to. I just want to uh, point out. Real quick, okay. hang on. I just want to point out that like they went into this room. I don't know what ten people or something went into this room, and you, they're all in there doing taxidermy. And then this woman walks out with a plate, <laughs> <laughs> walks out with a plate of mice, but not like furry mice, like the insides Skin. of mice. And it was so crazy because they weren't—I don't want to get gross—but they weren't falling apart. They were the shape of mice. They were still all with no intact, jackets on, but there was no jacket on, and it yeah. was. And so you were saying there's like a membrane around all the insides that hold it into the mouse shape? Yep. And a couple of people kind of penetrated that membrane, but I never knew that. Uh, Brant said either. just kind of gently cut down the back of the coat, you know, unzip the coat from bet- behind the ears to the top of the tail. So we unzip the coat and then gently start to take the coat off. And then what was left was a, a red mouse instead of a white mouse. 
that was kind of oh. translucent. Yeah, and just yeah, like she ML- went out. Uh, what? Just like Men in Black. Oh yeah, I, I never saw that. <laughs> oh, it's one of my faves. I never saw it. I know it's a movie. I'm kidding. But she walked outside with that plate, and I was like, "That's going to raise some somebody's anger." Well, because there are also people like with food walking around yeah. on yeah. plates. She thought and it was she funny. Walks up with like. Yeah, it was super. And gross. what was weird anyway. is like she's like, I'm going to go get rid of these. I thought she was going to go. Dis- I, I I suggested flushing them down the toilet, and she walks out for ten minutes and then comes back with the plate. I'm like, what did you? She's like, oh, I actually went out for like a joke with them to like kind of get some attention with them. And so they sat in the table. I thought she was going to go flush them because that was the part we don't need anymore. We ended up flushing them ultimately, but Uh-oh. and then wow. then when we ended up having that kind of big group discussion, the, the joke came up like four times because everybody was like, and the plate of mice. <laughs> but um, bump. that session leader he did the the one earlier in the day on the history of taxidermy and how it relates to museums and stuff and then i went to the actual taxidermy session not to participate i wanted to be a spectator and i had to leave after a few minutes i'm like i don't i'm gonna be grossed out so i'll see you mm. and then i leave and then a plate of mouse guts <laughs> just in front of my face i'm like i don't need to see that uh, well, cool. And the um, electric motorcycle was cool. Bob, you and I watched oh, that. Yeah. The electric- yeah. Some guy converted a gasoline motorcycle, like a 650 type size frame, into an electric motorcycle, and he discussed his techniques and the things. It, it was it was a it was a, a project still in early process, and so he has an opportunity to kind of mount the motor and the batteries and stuff. And it was good to see that. Definitely gives gets my wheels turning. It was really interesting because I talked to him about that project last year at the same event. And it was at that point, an idea, like, this is what I want to do, but I don't even think he had gotten the bike yet or anything. And, you know, this year he had it running, not safely running and he didn't ride it or anything, but you know, to get a fully electric motorcycle. And it went like, it's supposed to go zero to 65 in like two seconds or something crazy. Yep. Crazy. Or zero to 45. And yeah, anyway, it was cool. Well, you guys got anything else, or have you been watching anything else? <gasps> oh my god! I, I have. Forgot we have to, I forgot we do this segment. <laughs> I have something to. You don't have to. I, I have uh, homework for people. So Ooh. right before we started the podcast, I learned that Wendell Castle passed away a couple days ago, and I'm going to put a link to his website. Um, but I really encourage people to check out his work. Just. Um, absolutely amazing stuff. Um, I think he's written a couple articles in the past for one of the magazines. I think it was Fine Woodworking. And that's how I was introduced to him. But when you dig in, you see some crazy original work. And uh, What kind of work? I never heard of this person. Oh, man. So there's a link. I just put a link in the uh, Skype yep. there. And uh, click on uh, the Vintage tab when you when you get there. And it's just some some crazy pieces yeah so um, that, that's your homework i mean i'm giving everybody homework to do go go check out this guy great homework yeah. so i got home at, at, at about 2 a.m and taylor and i kind of hunkered down we, we we had a little snack to eat we talked we caught up and then we laid in bed and we watched the netflix special which was amazing and, and i kind of dozed off in the middle of it i'm going to watch it again but have you guys seen this this video, this movie, um, Treasures from the uh, Unbelievable, I think it's called. Mm-mm. Treasures no. from the Unbelievable. Uh, uh, is I just go, 
when I go on the Netflix menu, there is nothing I want to watch. I just scroll. It's like prison, prison, women killers, men killers, prison, prison, women killers. Maybe that's just what I'm watching. But there was a thing about uh, a shipwreck recovery from antiquity. And Damien Hurst was involved because these guys – it's an incredible story. It starts like this. So the guy is like a – he's like a – he's on a PhD level like antiquities program or uh, anthropology or archaeology. And he's watching YouTube and he sees that somebody is on vacation in East Africa and they happen to be at the shoreline when a fishing boat comes in and they pull up the net and there's like a little piece of antiquity in the net. It's like a little monkey, like a dried monkey. Like maybe it's even cast out of gold. I forget exactly what it said. And the guy saw that video and he immediately said, wherever that came from, there's more of that. That's from a shipwreck. Those things don't just end up out there individually. So he went and he spent days trying to figure out where the fishermen he went to Africa where that video was filmed, went out with the fishermen, got a couple of scuba divers. They kept searching. It took five days and they found the debris field from this ancient ship that was full of a collection of art. Huh. And they needed money and they ended up getting Damien Hurst because he had just, this is in 2012, 13. He had just sold a huge, somehow they, Damien Hurst got involved. He just made up millions and millions of dollars off his collection and they got him involved and they he funded this whole recovery, and the artwork they found is insane, all from ancient Greece and ancient Rome. And they found pieces huh. of statues that they already had, like at the British Museum. Like they, they found the head or the body of a statue that was already in a museum somewhere. They found the other piece of it. Whoa, crazy. And they had bronze castings that weighed like 30 tons at the bottom of the ocean. They had to get a crane out there to like get this giant medusa like this casting was so big you just can't imagine if this was made 2000 years ago how did they make it just insane huh. so what, check that. what called, was the name of this thing uh treasures from the unbelievable something like that it was called i'll, I'll yeah, find I out just, so the proper link is treasures from it? the wreck of the unbelievable yeah that's it yeah and damien hurst named it that because he just said they just kept like the more stuff they pulled up they just said this is unbelievable <laughs> this is unbelievable <laughs> and uh huh. They they found a the boat is completely gone because it's it's disintegrated because all the wood is turned into cellulose it's gone but they found ship pins like pins that held some of the parts of the wood together and they so they reverse engineered what they know about ancient ships from the steel and bronze parts they found and this ship would have been sixty meters long incredible sweet oh wow yeah I'm looking at the pictures now good grief this looks awesome. Yeah, so I'm going to go watch it again because, like I said, I dozed off before it ended. But it was just insane. And and if, if anybody likes Damien Hirsch, you get a, a real good bit of interview with him throughout the whole episode. Sweet. Awesome. Um, <clears throat> well, mine is our buddy Jacko. Uh, we haven't oh. talked about him in a, a long time. <laughs> but he put out a video this morning. Well, two videos. And I think the one – the there's the clickbaity one that everybody's going to want to watch. He made a, a thousand th- cc motor pencil sharpener, so he took this crazy <laughs> motor and <laughs> it's running a pencil sharpener, and you can just dissolve a pencil by sticking it in there. So he did that, and that I I actually haven't watched that one yet, but I assume that's similar to his previous videos, which are fantastic. You know, just they're great. But he also put out kind of a behind the scenes thing, and he's calling him Jacko Squared, and it's him trying to figure out, you know, how to do it or him making things that aren't really projects for YouTube. And it's just kind of behind the scenes, but I actually really, really liked it. It's put together just as well as his normal videos. 
it's just kind of a different angle on him and he talks more and you know, it was just really cool. And I hope that he, it looks like this was the first one and he's kind of trying it out. And I really hope it's something he, he keeps up with because it was cool. So I'll put I, I, I had the special privilege to hang out with Jocko on a few occasions. He's come and stayed at the house more than a couple times. And he's such a passionate dude to hang out with. Like the, the smallest things and the biggest things pique his interest. And he's like me. He has to possess it. Like he has to experience it. So like he'll see something in my shop and he'll like take it and hug it and hold it and like want, want to experience it. So that passion is, is contagious. So he's, he's a really awesome. great guy to hang out with and to watch. Cool. I think uh, he and I are doing a talk together somewhere. I think maybe at Maker Central in England. Oh, right. He really? and I and somebody else. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. He'll be there, I'm pretty sure. So I'm looking forward to hanging out with him there. Um, well, I think that's probably it. But we got to thank our Patreon supporters. I was talking on this podcast that I was on the other night, which I'll tell you about later. Uh, and we got to talking about Patreon and they were running ads, and they were asking if we ran ads on our show. And I was like, no, we don't have to because we have, like, Patreon support, and it's amazing. And I really meant that. Like, it's super cool that we don't have to deal with ad reads and going back and forth on cost and all that stuff because Patreon people take care of us. So thank you to all of you that do that. Yes, thank you, guys. In uh, one of the levels, the highest levels of our support is us saying your name on the show. And so... A special big shout-out to Wise Old Al, Evan and Caitlin, who are awesome and we got to hang out this weekend, Corey Ward, Malton Make, Works by Solo, Michael Schubert, Dor Sharir, I'm sorry if I'm saying that wrong, but that's new. You're new, I think. And Make, Build, Modify. So um, we are super grateful for everybody that that uh, helps us out over there, and it means a lot. And if you want to help the show, you can go to patreon.com slash making it. And, you know, like even a dollar is fantastic. And no matter what level you support at, you get access to the after show, which is Patreon exclusive. Mm. And it's an, another little bit of us talking every week. Mm. There's usually secret stuff in there. And Jimmy makes more interesting noises in there. <laughs> stuff like that. So Cool. Well, you guys got anything else for this week? That's good. That's good. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> and we're done. All right, cool. All right. Well, thanks. Love thanks, you. everybody. Love everybody. See you later. Love you. Same. I love you. I love you, Jimmy. You don't love me? I love you both. See, I can't please everybody. <laughs> <laughs>